You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Orange is a New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Hooday. Zim, say what's up to the people. Hello, world. How's everybody doing? I hope everybody's staying safe and staying beautiful and living in a Hooday world. This is just an epic time to be alive, right? Definitely an epic time to be alive. Definitely interesting. We're going to go ahead and talk about several things. So the first thing that I want to kind of talk about is I, I talked to Zim before the show about this. And we were like, what are we going to talk about? And I said, like, we really need to talk about the COVID situation with the NFL and and kind of their their way of, of working through this thing and what some of our concerns are. Uh, we also want to talk about Joe Mixon and his contract and his deal and what that looks like going forward. And then we also want to open the floor up to you guys, um, the listeners, who tune in week after week, and we love taking live questions, and you guys always give us thought-provoking questions. So we're going to give you guys uh, some time as well to discuss that. But getting into the first thing, I really just want to talk about the COVID situation and kind of the approach that we've seen from different sports in terms of uh, the MLB to the NFL to to the NBA. And there's been different kinds of strategies used by each one of them. But the thing that really scares me about the NFL is they kind of have this, we're just going to do things as we usually do. And I just really don't see that working now. There has been some things that have happened, such as, such as the NFL and owners agreeing to essentially close off a section of their stadium. So there's definitely going to be sections that are closed off that are going to allow different ads and stuff to be displayed there. But the other thing that really kind of scares me about this is that they're leaving it up to owners to determine what their attendance style is going to be, how many fans are going to be allowed in, if they allow fans and whatsoever. It's really up to the individual team. And then we've kind of seen some of the stuff already that's taking place, um, as Zem talked about on a couple episodes ago with Zach Taylor showing up and them taking temperatures and stuff like that. But what I really want to talk about is the fact that the NBA, in a sense, and I live in Orlando, so it's a little bit different for me. I can kind of get a first row seat of how the NBA is doing things, being that they're going to set up in Disney. But, you know, a lot of experts uh, on this subject and on this matter have said if you want to have professional sports you need a bubble the nfl does not seem to be going in that direction and that that essentially worries me so i'm wondering how they are going to you know keep this thing contained when you have 
number one, fans at games, if that is going to be a possibility. Number two, you don't have a bubble, so you're not really restricting what people come in contact with your players, your product that's on the field. Uh, eventually, we all know that it's going to happen because there's already been reports that coaches and players uh, between all different sports have been affected. What does that process look like? What does that What does that do? Like, is it going to be a situation where if a whole team gets the coronavirus, do they just cancel the season? So these are things that I feel like we need to talk about. I've discussed some of my thoughts on those, but is my, I feel like I'm talking too much. I kind of want to give you the floor for this topic in terms of what do you think the NFL um, – are you, like, optimistic about it or do you feel like there's a false sense of confidence from the NFL when it comes to playing through a season with 32 NFL teams that are going to have to travel in a environment such as the coronavirus? Isn't it so important that we we make sure we understand life is all about perspectives? I tell people that every day. You're, you're close to Orlando, in Orlando. Um, you have a different perspective than what someone in Cincinnati, Ohio probably has right now. You got a different perspective than what I have right now. What I've been doing throughout my everyday, you know, my everyday struggle, I say, is um, I go through and I just kind of make sure that I'm, a, I'm attending my town hall meetings that they do weekly on the phone conversations. It, 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 most of the time, it usually has like a couple, uh, one like one scientist person one of the board member people and then like, you know, like a, the governor and a couple of other people. But generally I just yield to them. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, when I talk to like people outside of um, sports or outside in another city or something, it's always fascinating to me how everybody doesn't wear a mask. So everybody doesn't do this and stuff where I'm at. They will beat you up if you don't have a mask and you come into a grocery store. Like, they don't play that out here. Every sign, every store, you better have a mask. What I was told is from the NFL's perspective, it's not just the call of, let's just use Cincinnati. It's not the call of just Katie Blackburn. It's going to be based on a square footage percentage, just the same way they do a supermarket, a gym, or anything like that, that just says, hey, within 500 feet, there can only be 10 people within this, and then it's a calculation based on the stadium. So the stadium, for instance, holds 60,000 people. You might only get 15 to 20 in a situation like that. So I'm hoping Cincinnati just follows the state-mandated um, rules that they have in place, and they just go solely by that and leave it to the experts. Because at this point, I'm so unsure about COVID-19. I almost consider it the brand-new flu. I wake up today, Spencer Dinwiddie's got it. Um, you know, like you remember early on in COVID-19, like if you, if you, if someone told you or you heard someone had COVID-19, like when they were, when, uh, what was the first gentleman that got, uh, I mean, I know Von Miller and all these people yeah, like from that the, from the jazz. Uh, yeah. Gobert. Gobert. Yeah. So Rudy, when he got it, I mean, it was almost like, I, I don't want to, I don't want they They compared it, it. It felt like it was like the new, the new measles or the new, like, you know, some crazy 1960s, the D's that like, you're like, Oh shit, he's got the shingles. You know what I'm saying? Like right now it's like less than to the point where it's almost like it's the new flu. People are coming, getting sick and then they come out of a, a week. Now I'm just saying that from a, a sports aspect, I know older people immune system and everything like that. Like I said, I am not an expert, but I'm just hoping that Cincinnati plays attention to the state mandated stuff Stay within the regulations. You shouldn't see a crowded stadium, but you will see fans in the stadium. 
I, the scenario where players or multiple players end up getting it is very possible. I think it probably affects, in my opinion, basketball a little bit more because the time window between the, the game, this game and this game is a, a little bit wider. If I got sick and I got diagnosed with COVID-19, hypothetically, I might have a chance to play the following week. You know, say, say yeah, I, 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 I contracted it on, on, on a Monday. I wouldn't play that Sunday coming up, but the following Sunday after that, that's a two-week quarantine period. A hypothetical, like, that's what I'm very interested to see is, like, are they going to allow players to play? Because, of course, you know, somebody with a high immune system, very healthy, a week later, they might say, hey, I'm feeling really good. I can play. They might, I don't, I want to see the rules behind that because that could drastically affect, you know, um, you know, the season. And that's one thing I don't want to see is optimistic that I am that the season's going to happen and all these different things are going to happen. I would hate to go into a playoff run for any team, not just Cincinnati Bengals and, and the key players missing. And then I feel cheating by the game. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I think um, for me, it's been different. It's, it seems like from people that I've talked to, I, all eyes have really been on Florida in terms of what's going on down here because we were one of uh, the first cities to kind of open things up. I think Georgia was first. I think we kind of followed a little bit after them. So a lot of people have heard like crazy things and stuff in the news. And I didn't find this out until I like had people from other places like Ohio and other places asking like what's going down in Florida. So just to give you guys like perspective on what essentially happened and what you can probably expect to happen in other locations that you live in as well is what happened was about two weeks ago, uh, Florida kind of lifted some of their restrictions in terms of uh, people being able to sell liquor. So bars essentially opened back up. Um, clubs essentially as another side effect of that kind of opened up. And we also had, of course, like the riots in Minneapolis happening. And essentially what really happened was people just thought that COVID was gone and like it wasn't as dangerous and people were just out. And so what ended up happening uh, was they lifted that restriction. They also somewhat li lifted a little bit of the, the restrictions of social gatherings and stuff like that. Uh, before it was like you had to have at least be in groups of, I think, 10 or less or something like that. They uh, rose that as well. People started returning to work in some areas. I was not one of them. There are some businesses that have required workers to come back, but not all of them. Uh, but essentially what happened was about two weeks ago, they lifted that restriction and people were just in bars and clubs, just really not adhering to social distancing. People started to not wear masks and stuff like that things started to really fall off. And so what happened was the rate started to go back up. Um, and essentially, since people weren't following those rules, those went up. And as a result of that, uh, the governor, I think it was, I want to say three or four days ago, or it might've been, at this point, it might've been last Friday, the days are starting to run together, but he essentially uh, banned liquor again from bars. So bars didn't essentially have to close down, but he made it so that um, they weren't allowed to sell liquor. So as a result of that, bars are pretty much going to shut down because bars sell liquor. So uh, that's essentially what happened. But my conspiracy theory, I'm just being a conspiracy theorist, is because the NBA is set to come to Orlando and with Florida being a hot spot and being a place that started to raise on that, I think that the governor essentially is trying to get everything back in line and back in control so that the NBA players feel safe 
coming down to a place like Orlando, which is what kind of really prompted this for me, because if you have people at games, if you're selling liquor and stuff like that, and you have fans in seats, there's no way that you can really do social distancing with fans. And I think that is it's pretty hard to control that, especially being that they were going to have players down here in a bubble. You know, there were there were restrictions on which other family members could go. There's a lot of people that these players could be in contact with. And I just really want to know what plans the NFL has in place. Now, Zen brought up a great strategy. Like if someone does get sick, they do technically have about a week or so um, to get healthy. But you're starting to see a lot of asymptomatic cases. The thing that's worrying a lot um, from what we have been hearing down here in Florida is it's starting to actually raise in the demographic. I think they've talked about like 17 to 35 or something, which is really a lot of football players. That's where you really see a lot of that stuff. Um, so I just really want to know how they really contain that. Yes, a player might get it, but what stops that player from passing it to a teammate or passing it to another member in there? And I think that that's what the biggest issue of it can be um, is that aspect of it. So with those rules in place, with all of the traveling and all of that, I just I personally just don't see how they can really have a successful season if they don't start treating it. And not to say that they're not treating it serious, but it just doesn't seem like there's much planning and structure that's going into it like there has been in the NBA. Like there's a whole like format set out for that. So for them to come into interactions with so many people and for them to just really leave it in the hands of of uh, NFL owners and stuff like that to determine whether or not uh, fans are going to come to the games. That is just kind of crazy to me, because if you had a bar like the bartenders did down here in Florida, when people started showing up and not social distancing, they weren't really concerned with trying to get those people to fall in line with what I can't say that they probably were, but at the end of the day, that's how they make their money. So you can't blame a business for like not trying to kick people out because they've, you know, went two months without sales. And I think you'll see the same thing with the NFL. Go ahead. Zim. Let me ask you this. Do you, would you watch football without people in the stands? This has been a question. That yeah, I, guess. I, I, I don't watch football for like the fans. That's nothing against but the, the energy, the there. energy, the crowd, the pressure. I love that. I love the oh, pressure I mean, of the crowd. I love that as well. I, I Now, I'm not saying that the crowd element isn't important to the game. I definitely think that it is. I it's think almost right. like cheating. It's almost cheating, bro. Like Dalton without a crowd fiercely yelling at him makes right. Dalton a lot better, bro. That's a big one up. Being able to have like a snap count like on all one accord from an offensive standpoint, you could throw in all the fake crowd noise you want that Seattle already does on top of the millions of people that are already in the stands. It's a big deal. I think you're going to see teams that are normally good not be as good. Like no, Seattle, Seattle right. thrives. Right. Seattle and Kansas City thrive off right, of crowd noise. Right. And watching right. games, I know a lot of play, a lot of people that are here, they watch a lot of just Bengals games. This is one thing I challenge people throughout the year because so many people complain about calls, so many people complain about this, and why don't they give it the mixing enough? And I'll be like, bro, watch other games. Like, you know, like go watch this. But one thing that I watch from other games is the advantage of a crowd in the especially when you get into those Sunday night football games and stuff like that. I don't think I will feel like it's a scrimmage, but I can't lie. I think we could all get used to it. And that's not what I'm saying. 
I guess you you answer the question is like, would you watch it? Yeah, I oh, will yeah. watch it too. But I think I solely will probably be very limited to this Bengals game. I I really don't think there's a big element about like what I watch sports for, and that's for pressure situations. And I and it, it sounds a little crazy, but anybody that watches my me watch a live game or whatever, I love it when the game is on the line and the crowd is going crazy. That that is the part that becomes that separates the men from the boys at that point. So people like I don't I'm I'm so mad I just picked on dog players <laughs> that don't thrive in pressure situations just have like this crazy advantage and I just think you're just gonna see like it's almost gonna be like the guys that practice really really well like a Ryan Finley or somebody like that like I just think that like without that added pressure of like being oh I'm in Foxborough or whatever like I just think it just it takes away what I love about a big part of the NFL. I'm one of the people like I scream at the TV and ask anybody that's in here, Diddy, any of these guys in here. When it's third down, I'd be like, here's the pressure, guys. Here it comes. And that crowd's get the run. I, I, I can't, I, I don't think I'll feel the same way, but I damn sure will watch some football though. How about that? No, I, I tend to agree with you. That's gonna be a huge, that's a huge part of it. Like you said, those are two great examples of teams, like you said, where that crowd makes it hard for people to win in those environments. You talk about the 12th man, you talk about Kansas City, you know, those are historic places where that's gonna be a factor. But I think that in a weird way, it can also help us, right? Because not saying that he doesn't have the mental fortitude for it, but having a guy like Joe Burrow go somewhere like an environment like that or to go into Pittsburgh or something like that for a Monday night game or a primetime game, there's not that added pressure on him. But, you know, like you said as well, it could be a flip side kind of thing too as well, right. like especially with the season opener happening. And if I'm not saying that Justin Herbert is going to say, but let's just say for – for uh, sake of argument, Justin Herbert plays. He's not going into a situation at PBS like a home opener on the road with like a crowd of Cincinnati fans yelling at him. So he could potentially play a lot better. He could get calls in a lot better. So like you said, I think it definitely affects the game. But I, I will be interested to see what they do because like I almost feel like fake crowd noise is almost like a cheat because like people don't get tired so like <laughs> eventually like while you're doing that like there's always like a little break that people kind of take and it's like they, okay. they, they need it somebody made a real good point in the thing uh in the chat is that they were saying that you know you're gonna hear with the players they need to mic up players now now mic'd up players like there's some players i want to hear there's some players like I think NFL walks this fine line that the XSFL wasn't ready to walk where they don't they want to censor some of that stuff as much as possible. But from an entertainment value, they need to mic up some players. That's the only part of it that I kind of worry about. Like, I'm cool with them. Like, so we've seen players mic'd up, but that's usually after they've been able to edit out stuff. I think it's kind of a slippery slope as well. It's because- a TV delay. It's a, t- a live TV delay. The guy that's sitting in that office can hit a button and mute some curse words. He can't. He probably can't catch. I don't know. I, I, anybody See, that's, in that's, here? Anybody in here ever worked for NBC? <laughs> but you what ever thing? noticed? Have you ever done this? I've been this like I'm very. I, when I go to like a sports game, I'm, I sit as close as possible. And in NBA games, you hear a lot of curse words. When I go back and watch them on TV, it's edited. Like sometimes when you hear somebody cursing, a lot of times it's because of the boom mic that's in the re- in the in the near the net. So I notice on a lot of times when they go for a rebound and curse, and I don't know why they don't edit them out. 
But a lot of times I'm at the game, and I'm like, dog, they are like cursing like damn near every play, right? Right. I rewatch like a game, like the same game on something. I'm like, I didn't hear any curse words. So but, one thing but, that but, one thing that comes to mind, do you remember the uh the all-star game in the NBA like this past season? And they had like the celebrity, they kind of had like the celebrity, like past NBA celebrities and like random stars like Ronnie 2K and stuff. They had that game and they had Darius Miles like mic'd up, but he didn't realize. <laughs> He was cussing for like who, who, who do you want to anybody in the chat look in, in ace two? Who do y'all want to hear mic'd up the most? Get, just give me your, your number, your top two players. Who you want to hear mic'd up more than anybody? I would love it, that, it, I it doesn't love have to be a bangle. I would love to hear it, but I would think from like a player perspective, like like let's just say for instance, it's on Josh Bonds or something like that. I'm trying to concentrate about the game. I'm not trying to also be juggling in my head watch what you're saying like i'm already trying to watch the offense and what they're coming out in and stuff like that and i feel like for players that just like to kind of concentrate and get in that zone i don't think that those are the best players now if you're talking about a quarterback or something like that like how do you also prevent like play calls and stuff from being like leaked over like the audio right right what if they're yeah, like, I, I i can't see a quarterback being like that it to me it more than anything will have to be wide receivers and corners, bro, because that's the mono, the most mono, 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 mono matchup. You could get the big boys down in the trenches, but I think you would hear a lot of rah, rah, like a lot of like wrestling and tussling. Right. But cornerbacks and wide receivers, just that, like those two mic'd up. I would love to hear a cornerback's perspective, like mic'd up guarding AJ Green. AJ Green is smart enough not to curse like a whole bunch of times, too. But hearing the cornerback go back to his defensive huddle and, and say, hey, look, man, when he's doing this, do this. I want to hear that part of it. So then the next play, I'm like, all right, can he actually stop him from doing that? I would love to hear like – so for me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a, a special person, although I wouldn't mind some of the big boys that talk a lot of – like a lot of crap. I love um, to hear a lot of – yeah, I love to hear like – But that's what I'm saying. Who you want to hear? Who you want to hear? Imagine if uh, A.J. Green – and Jalen oh. Ramsey were mic'd up. <laughs> Imagine if they were mic'd up. The only thing I think is, I, I agree with you. Like, AJ smart enough, trash, too. Uh, like, Phillip Rivers, like, that would be crazy. Like, to hear Phillip, like, just to hear some of the stuff that he says just from, like, the mic'd up things, I could only imagine what Phillip Rivers would say, like, live. That would be kind of crazy. But... Yeah, I think, about, I think about people that are just gonna cuss like when somebody runs into their leg and they're not expecting it. They're gonna maybe, like, maybe, oh. maybe it could just be they're mic'd up when they get to the sideline, and then it could be at their own discretion. So before the game, they pick four players and say, "Hey, look, two on offense, two on defense. You don't have to mic up if you don't feel it. But when we come back to the sideline or whatever, we're gonna we're gonna cut your mic on." If you give us the thumbs up, something like that, and between the the four players or something like that, right? Maybe maybe you get enough throughout the we game. Ask maybe some of the players, like we should reach out to some of the players that we that what we about uh, coaches? know just to hear like what their thoughts are on some of uh, some of those things. Coach Tyler Boyd, somebody said somebody said Tyler Boyd. Nova said, Ty, uh, "Hold on, who who just said Tyler Boyd?" Uh, uh, get low, who did he said? I just picked my nose live on camera. Everybody, um, get low said that um. He wanted to see Tyler Boyd. I think Tyler Boyd would be like phenomenal at that. I really do. Yeah. And he I think I think the players that I'm thinking too 
wouldn't curse a lot. Like if you got somebody like a um, I ain't trying to single nobody out, but say it was like a beast mode or something like that. I just think he doesn't even care enough that it would be so dirty and like so many curse words <laughs> that the NFL wouldn't even get behind that. I just think he just doesn't care. Right. But people that are a little bit more conscious about it. That's another thing. Yeah, players and I ain't, ain't gonna try to mess up their image by like getting a bad thing. That's the beauty of Ocho Cinco. Remember when he went to Miami and he was doing press conferences and interviews and he was just cursing like I don't know what on the interviews. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I'm pretty right. sure my mom would probably be like, "Oh no, I hate him." Right. Nobody remembers that. Do y'all remember Ocho Cinco was the, like even when he was on Hard Knocks. He would go to a inter- he yeah, would go right after, after the but he would go right after he was uh at practice and then they would um uh, Mike I mean interview he'd be like did you see me I was fast as S H I T or like I can't be stopped and like he was just cursing and cursing it was so fun to watch him on that I just can't see the NFL getting behind that though right right facts facts so yeah let's those are some interesting things and, and topics to broach about the season uh, i know we got a little bit of time left here i want to leave some time for a question for the fans but zim you kind of talked about also the joe mixon situation so if you can just please kind of touch on your thoughts on joe mixon situation and where things currently lie briefly as possible as the situation is going on th- Conversation and contract talks between players is at an all-time low in this COVID-19 distress on the on the, the entire football league. And what it's done is made it so that all the leverage is now in the Cincinnati Bengals corner. The average fan, when we first started this off, did he even made a comment and said, pay Joe Mixon. I've been following some of this stuff, looking at this stuff, me and Ace have talked off the air. Running backs just do not get paid, and the ones that do get paid don't really do well after they get paid. To not pay Joe Mixon, to me, as I wake up today, June 30th, is not the worst thing in the world. And if the team is moving along like I think they would, I think you double down, go back to running back. Maybe you have a good year with uh, 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 Rodney Anderson, this year that shows you enough where maybe you don't have to draft as high as a second round. You still got Gio Bernard on the hook for two years. But at this point, I just can't see any scenario where Joe Mixon comes out of this with a contract like done before the season. If I'm Joe Mixon right now, I'm saying, okay, bet. I'm going to bet on myself because I'm looking at Christian McCaffrey, $13 million money, thinking that that's me. But his agent should be telling them that's not you. And I just don't think Joe Mixon is going to be saying that. And I and there's not that many teams that are going to be willing to pay that much. Now, Melvin Gordon isn't the greatest example. Some of these guys that are coming up, though, are really good examples of guys that can ball out, like Chris Carson, Dalvin Cook, um, Kamara. There are a bunch of guys. So you got to think. Ask Andy Dalton how his offseason went. He Mixon's going to be going if – if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals, he's going to be going up against – about I count about nine guys that are considered top tier or second tier running backs this upcoming offseason. If he goes into this thing thinking that he's going to get hella paid, I just think that that's a bad bet. He should take it, it. I'm pretty sure the Bengals probably offer him something similar to that Melvin Gordon money, which is around eight million. I imagine Mixon probably thinks he's somewhere between ten and twelve. If I'm mixing, I'm taking the eight for three years and taking all the guaranteed money that comes along with it. 
If he has one slip up this year, anything happens, injury, anything like that, Bengals will be sitting right there at the doorstep saying, okay, yeah, we told you so. And I just think next offseason wouldn't be good for him. I just think right now he's gonna he needs to take probably that lower deal that they're probably dangling over his face over his head, but I don't see him accepting it. So he's probably gonna bet on himself this upcoming year. And the way the market is shaping up, it just gets the Bengals, the Bengals so much leverage. And so many people are like, just sign him, just sign him. Think about this too. The incident that happened with Joe Mixon, I know it's been like what five, six, seven years ago or something like that. Think about this though. That never goes away. So you could hit a big market team. You could do everything you want. And the fa- he's won over the fans with his smile. He's won over the fans with his charisma here in Cincinnati. But every fan that you ever get in the comment on Instagram, Twitter, or anything like that, what do they what do they reference? The incident, right? So teams think the same exact way. He could take the road and say, look, I could go to the Dallas Cowboys and, and I'll be a big star. But Big companies, big endorsements and stuff like that are never going to get behind him. He's got to understand that like that, some of those stuff, things like that just don't go away. And, and that's my opinion, but I want to know what you think about it. I just feel like this offseason has just set it up for the Bengals having so much leverage with this thing. It, it just it, it's so many elements to it. I'll be here forever, but I've just been doing the math, like connecting all the dots, and I'm like. He should just take a three-year deal and just say, yeah, like give me eight every year, guarantee 15 or something like that. I would love to see what Andre Parada says, but that's my thought. I have to agree with you. Like running back, it's just just sad that it's a situation where people that have committed to these deals, it really hasn't worked out for them. There's still some things in progress, such as Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. We still have to remain to see – what's going to happen there. But we have seen situations with Devonta Freeman, Todd Gurley, guys just being released before those deals have ended. I think we've touched on this a little bit before, and I think the unique situation is that Joe Mixon is still very young. Uh, he's still a guy that's definitely, I think, worth the money. As a as a player, he's worth the money. At the position, that's what's just really hurting him from that aspect. One thing that really struck me, I was listening to some of our fellow Cincy Jungle podcasters. And if you're not subscribed to the Cincy Jungle podcast, please be sure to subscribe there and check out all of the stuff that we have going on with the OBI and uh, Daddy-O with the Sorry If I Spit When I Speak podcast as well. But they had uh, Billy Price on there and they asked Billy Price about Joe Mixon and they didn't actually even ask him like who's the leader in the locker room. He just came out and said that Joe Mixon is the leader of this locker room. And so I think with that being said, you definitely, and that's that. those are things that me and Zim have hit on before. Like we always, when we talk about this Joe Mixon situation, we know that he's the guy. Um, in order to send that statement to your locker room, you have to get this deal done. But I think like Zim is saying, Joe has to be realistic with what type of money that they're going to try to pretty much push off on him. Now, I'm not saying for him to take the the lowest deal or to take peanuts on on the dollar, but he has to watch himself in this situation because it doesn't matter in this point if you're Barry Sanders. Like if you're not if you're a running back, it doesn't matter how good you are, like some teams are just going to value you at a certain dollar and it sucks to say that. I think he's worth it. I think he's worth 10 million a year, 
Um, if you're just asking me personally, like I'm not saying to guarantee that whole 10 million a year, but if it could be a deal worth up to 10 million a year, I would have no qualms with giving that money to Joe Mixon. But at the same time, I have to be realistic and say, you know, given what we have from the sample sizes and the stuff that we've seen out there, doesn't look like a league that really values um, the position as much. So I hope that things work out and I hope it doesn't get tumultuous because all of the leverage is really kind of on the Bengals side. Super on their side. Let's take some questions. Ace, you want to go through the first one? Davis Martin said, I haven't heard much on Joey B. Can you expand on some of the reports that you've heard from Joey B lately? Uh, For me, I think I've heard some things saying that Joey B is picking up the offense rather fast. He, pretty much has a real uh, grasp on that. Not a surprise to me. He's a coach's son, so and he also has plays from the LSU offense, so those are things that I've heard about him. I haven't heard much on the follow-up of whether him and the receivers are getting together. I would really like to hear more on that and get an update of if that already happened, when is that happening, because that's going to be important, right? He can name all of the plays and everything, but if they're not linking up in real life and actually you know, forming that that uh, rapport with each other, then that's going to be damaging. Zim, was there anything you heard? Yeah, Callahan saying he's far above schedule. There's, they got a report, if you guys want to check it out, on Bengals.com um, with Jeff Hobson, where he's kind of outlining how he's ahead of the curve. Callahan even had to scale him back. They have a unique way that they're doing, like, their meetings. Um, and he's saying, you know, he's got a lot, a lot of classwork done. And he's always ahead of the curve on everything, and he had to scale him back. But at the same time, he'd be lying if he said, hey, he wanted some reps. The only problem, I guess, that he's having with reps currently as we speak, the NFLPA has instructed players, uh, unless your name's Tom Brady, that you you shouldn't be going out and practicing, I guess, right now. And so Joey B is is pretty much following that um, sentiment for the most part. I have heard this, though. He has been decked out in Bengals uh, apparel as he's been working out, like, and he's been throwing down the street. I forgot what school is at. Somebody's going to help me out with that. But he has been working out a little bit. Him connecting with other players, the NFLPA has been pretty outspoken on how they, they don't want uh, players doing it because we're getting so many uh, cases right now. All right. Uh, next question. What else we, what we got? Uh, you might want to. Nova asked uh, what we think about Pat uh, McAfee for Monday Night Football. I've heard of him. Isn't he like the guy that was like the punter and he has like a podcast and stuff now? He does like a lot of funny like uh, voiceover stuff. He uh, he he. I like his page a lot. Um, I'd be lying if I say that we aren't. I'm gonna just finish. I'm not even gonna finish this <laughs> sentence, but he's really good at what he does. But we, okay. hey, or just the new blacks should be doing goddamn Monday Night Football. Honestly, <laughs> if if I'm gonna just be, sure. I'm gonna put it all the way out there. If they get us live on there, we'll change the whole football. We're like, he's telling jokes and stuff, lit. cool. But like, listen, we got a fire that's gonna ignite when they go ahead and, and they and they kick the football off. They ain't never seen a a tornado run through a damn city like us. Aces them taking over. I can see it now. Right now, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so I, I'm not seeing anything else. You seeing anything else, though? Oh, it looks like Blake. Blake Pollen. Blake Pollen says, Do you see Marcus Bailey being a key piece in a linebacker court in the next two years? Uh, I'll just say short and sweet, I do think that that's going to happen. I think that there's a good chance that he could potentially um, be one of the key pieces in the linebacker court. 
I think potentially, I think early on it's going to be, a, he's going to have to be a special teams maven. And I just don't, I, like right now, they got another article out there too. It's just a six man battle at linebacker. And I think Akeem Davis and um, uh, uh, Logan Wilson are going to take, you know, the front runner spot from that. And I mean, Jermaine Pratt's got a lot to say about that. And, but it's a six man battle on there. And I, I, I'm so glad that we could put linebacker to bed. Yeah, that's cool. So that has been the show. Be please be sure to follow me um, and Zem. Zem is on Instagram at Zem underscore Hude. You can find me at New Stripe City on Twitter. Zem is at Zem Hude on Twitter. Be sure to tweet us, send us some some comments, and let us know what you think of the show. We definitely appreciate your feedback. Uh, please also be sure to check out the Fanatics links. Uh, Zem tweets those. I tweet them. We post them on our respective pages as well. Anything that you get from there in terms of it being cool Bengals gear for you to wear also goes to us. We get a tiny portion of that. So if you want to support the channel, you want to support our podcast, you want to support our platforms as fellow Who Day fans, please be sure to hit up those Fanatics links when you see them. And then also uh, be sure to, if you're on YouTube, subscribe to New Stripe City. And as usual, please be sure to share this podcast with your friends. And we're out. It's Ace Boogie and Zem, the essential Who Day. Who Day? Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.